0: Hi, I'm Sharina Katecha, Ofsted's Head of Strategy. This week we're talking about our subject reports. The reports evaluate the common strengths and weaknesses of different subjects in a sample of schools that we've inspected. They build on our research reviews, which identified factors that lead to high quality curriculums in each of the national curriculum subjects. We've already published reports on science, maths and history, and last week on geography, PE and music. You can find all of our reports on our website or by searching Ofsted Subject Reports. Just to pique your interest in these, I spoke into the leads for each of the new reports to get a preview of what they found. First up is Mark Ensler, who is Ofsted Subject Lead for Geography. Mark, what did you find in this new report?
1: I think one of the most important messages is just how much of an improvement there has been in recent years. When you look back at the report in 2011, the previous subject report, you can see that geography wasn't in a good state across the country. It pointed out that in too many schools, geography had been removed completely children weren't getting a a geography education. And even when there were lessons that were called geography, the geography content had often been removed and replaced with more generic competencies. But what we see in, in the report now is that geography is very much back. It's alive and kicking and much more thought is being given to what children should learn. So I think that that's a kind of really key message. But there's also some really important messages on where we need to go next. We know, particularly in primary schools, that there's been a lot of work on progression within a topic. So pupils learning more, say, about a topic on rivers and the knowledge on rivers is built in a sequential and meaningful way towards an endpoint. But once they finish studying that topic, they never come back to that body of knowledge. It just sits in isolation. They're not using it. They're not building on it in the future. And then when we look at secondary schools, we find a similar problem at key stage four, less so at key stage three. But at key stage four, the exam specifications have often become a de facto curriculum. So one of our main messages, not just for people in schools, but for policymakers, for our subject associations and others, is that we really need to think carefully about how we turn an exam specification which prescribes content into a curriculum which all does it in a logical, meaningful way that teaches pupils about the geography that sits behind that content. Simply working through an exam specification is not the same as teaching our subject and recognising the potential that our subject has.
0: And what messages would you like geography
1: teachers to take away from the report? What can they take back to the classroom? There's a number of things I'd really like teachers to take back. We've subtitled the report, Getting Our Bearings. And I think that's the first thing that I'd like teachers to take away is that it's a moment to pause, to look at where we've come from and then to think about where we want to go next as a subject community. It's an invitation to have those conversations and to have those discussions. A couple of areas that I think a lot of work could be done is around um, skills, geographical skills, that the body of knowledge about how we do geography And one thing we see in the subject report is that's not often taught well. There's been a lot of curriculum thinking about the more substantive knowledge about those different geographical concepts and so on. And people thinking about how they want to teach that content in a a logical way, but not when it comes to geographical skills. They're not considering when to introduce those skills and how there should be progression over the years in them and even less so when it comes to fieldwork. There are very few schools in which there's a curriculum for developing fieldwork for how are pupils going to get better at carrying out fieldwork over time. What pupils are getting are a number of individual experiences where they go out of school and experience some fieldwork, but no sense of a sequence that's going to lead to them getting better. Another thing that I think teachers can take away is around how places are used in geography. Quite often when we talked to pupils, we found that they had a very fragmented knowledge of the places they'd studied. They, they could remember isolated facts, little bits and pieces, but they couldn't use them in any meaningful sense. They couldn't tell you how those places had changed or why they had changed or why they were the way that they were. They could just remember a rundown of some key information. They couldn't use them to do geography. And when you look at the curriculum in the schools where pupils were struggling, what you see is they're being taught in a very fragmented way. They're doing a topic on, say, a named country, but with no particular intent behind it of what that country is being used to demonstrate or to show which geographical themes or processes are being shown through the study of that place, which geographical questions they want pupils to be able to answer about those places. It just becomes little more than a fact file. So I think there's something there. When are they teaching certain places? When are pupils returning to those places? How are they layering up knowledge about those places? And what questions are they going to answer about those places?
0: Thanks, Mark. Very interesting and lots to think about. Next up, we have Hannah Miller, who's our subject lead for physical education. Hannah, what did you find? Just before I talk about the
2: main findings, I just want to say a really big thank you to all of the schools who really welcomed us into conduct the research visit. I think in terms of the, the, the key areas of strength, the extracurricular programmes that were in place were really broad and and ambitious, and that provided opportunities for lots of pupils to develop what they were being taught in lessons. I think another real key strength was in secondary schools that we visited where qualification P was taught at key stage four or five or both. Most schools had thought really carefully about what to teach and when and why. And many of those decisions were really quite carefully informed by some really positive work with the qualification specifications and, and using them to inform the structure of the curriculum. And in all of the qualification lessons that we visited, there was strong teacher subject expertise And there was some variability across the schools as well. So obviously a couple of those key strengths were coming through, but there were also some areas of development that leaders had spoken to us about as well. And what was really clear in, in a lot of those schools was that leaders really wanted to provide a range of sports and physical activities for pupils through the PE curriculum. But what we found in some cases was, although the curriculum was incredibly broad, There were times when it didn't match the ambition of the national curriculum, and there were also times when the curriculum was very tight. It had a lot packed into it. And I think assessment was also an area that schools spoke to us about, and leaders often explained that it was an area that they wanted to work a bit more on to really ensure that the, the methods that they were using to assess pupils were effective and how they use that information that they gathered to inform their next steps as well was really effective. And I think just to kind of round that off, what was particularly interesting was was some of the barriers that leaders had had shared with us and they'd identified, and particularly around COVID-19 and the impacts that that had had on the PE curriculum when returning from partial closures, but also the implications of some of that now but also some some real positives were coming out around building links with other schools and building local links within
0: the community as well. So some really uh, positive
2: messages coming through as well.
0: And is there anything in particular you think PE teachers should take away? What are the key messages for them?
2: Yeah, I think these l- will link really closely to what I'd said about the areas uh, that leaders had identified themselves, things that they wanted to improve in schools and obviously what we'd found uh, on the visits as well. One of the first things is is around breadth and depth um, in PE that's always been a really interesting debate uh, and there isn't uh, necessarily a magic number of how many sports and physical activities could or should be within a curriculum but I think what is really really important to carefully consider is if all pupils have enough time for the high quality instruction practice and feedback that is absolutely needed to get better. For some pupils that might be the first time that they're exposed to some of that content so really ensuring that there is that time so that pupils learn the curriculum not just cover it. And I'd probably say my third thing um, would would really be just that point that PE is for all pupils. So thinking really carefully about lessons, the support that some pupils might require. So some pupils will have gaps in their prior knowledge um, and obviously the support that they will need to access the curriculum will need to be precise and it'll it'll mean meeting them where they are and that might mean for example practicing and refining some fundamental movement skills and sometimes that can also be um, pupils with scnd some of those pupils with scnd might need another demonstration they might need some more practice time they might need slight adjustments to the task for example so those those kinds of things are really, really important to think about within lessons, because although sometimes they can feel like there's an awful amount to get through, there's lots that you want to get through in lessons. It's it's really ensuring that, that you're bringing all pupils with you on that journey so that all pupils know and can do more in PE. And I think that's also where assessment is incredibly important, really identifying what pupils know and can do and what they don't yet know or cannot yet do and then using that information to really
0: guide those decisions about what's taught next and why that's taught next. Thanks so much Hannah really useful. Finally let's hear from Chris Stevens who is the lead for the music report. Chris what can you tell us about the report?
3: So this report highlights really the significant variation in the quality of music education in the schools that we visited. Uh, We visited 50 in total Uh, Nonetheless, since the time of our previous subject report, which was in 2012, uh, many school leaders, and particularly in primary schools, have taken really important steps to give music a more prominent place on the taught curriculum, and many pupils now have regular opportunities to learn music. However, despite this significant improvement, um, several of the concerns that we raised in that report in 2012 remain particularly around key stage three music, where a proportion of the schools we visited really didn't give pupils enough time to learn the curriculum as they'd set out. And that meant in some cases, pupils were not well prepared for the next stages of their learning, or if they wanted to go on for further musical study. Um, and I suppose, concerningly, in some schools, pupils were only well-placed to continue their musical education and achieve well after key stage three, if they have access to paid instrumental or vocal lessons. And there is a clear divide between children and young people whose families can afford to pay for music tuition and those who come from lower socioeconomic backgrounds. So that inequality of opportunity, which we highlighted in our previous report, still persists.
0: And is there anything that you would like music teachers to take back to help their students?
3: Well, I think the schools we visited wanted pupils. It was quite evident to develop a real love and passion um for the subject but our evidence shows that music was stronger and pupils achieved more in those schools where leaders had gone beyond sort of those broad curriculum aims of developing a love and passion leaders had in these schools identified specific endpoints and the building blocks of knowledge and skills they wanted to, pupils to achieve at various points throughout the curriculum i suppose in a way what these leaders had done is they'd asked themselves the question What can pupils realistically learn rather than just encounter in the time available? They'd crucially considered ambition in terms of pupils musical development rather than the range of musical opportunities on offer. So one of the things I'd be saying to teachers and to leaders is to be really clear about what it is precisely you want pupils to do as a result of your curriculum and also to make sure that pupils get regular and repeated opportunities to be able to practice that knowledge and those skills in the time available.
0: Fascinating. Thank you very much, Chris. And thanks again to Mark and Hannah. There's a lot to digest there and three fascinating new reports to read. Do look out for them on the website and Ofsted social media or by searching Ofsted subject reports. That's all we have time for in this short episode of Ofsted Talks. Remember to subscribe or follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.
1: Ofsted Talks. Ofsted Talks. Ofsted Talks.